0: Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here today. Uh, I say it every week, but it truly is an honor to have you in our presence. If you're watching online, good morning to you as well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to start us with a prayer. Uh, I'm going to try to make that a habit because I think it's important. So let's go ahead. If you'll bow your heads with me, let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day and for this opportunity to open your word for it to pour into our lives, and for us to pour ourselves into it. God, I pray that you would give us open hearts, open ears, and open minds to take the lesson out of today that you would have for each and every one of us. God, we just pray for your blessing, and Lord, we pray for your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so let's recap a little bit about Kind of where we are. We're week four in our series on Haggai. Week one, the people's priorities were out of whack. Remember, they went from being my people to these people. They were called to rebuild the temple, but they skirted that responsibility in favor of their paneled houses because of some of the opposition that they were facing. Week two, they were called to give careful Thought to their ways, careful thought to their ways. In week three, they decide to follow God's direction. They overcome their entitlement in favor of empowerment. We talked about that last week. And that empowerment, remember, comes with obedience and they begin reconstruction of the temple. If you missed any of those three weeks and you're interested in hearing those sermons, you can either go to our YouTube channel or you can find them on Facebook. Today is week four. We continue our story in Haggai. We're going to be in chapter two, verses one through nine. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but this is what it has to say. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people. Ask them, who is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jozadak. The high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. A lot of declarations. Verse 5 says, this is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake All nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant you peace, declares the Lord Almighty almighty so we have some really really interesting things happening here in this passage the people having been empowered by god start to rebuild this temple and in our passage today they're at the point where they are either done or they are very near the finish line and frankly it's not much to look at in comparison to the previous temple that was built by solomon which would have been destroyed about 66 to 70 years before we see the completion of this temple. And so there are still some in the remnant who would remember who were alive then that would remember the previous temple and they would remember it in all of its glory. It was made of the finest materials available. And as you could imagine building a temple in exile might prevent one from being able to build a temple as ornate, and so there were some who were kind of grumbling. There were some who were looking at the temple and they were seeing it and they were thinking, this just doesn't feel right. I don't think that this is the same as it was before. And they were worried about that. And so the word comes to them from God in Haggai, starting in verse three. And God just asked them a rhetorical question through Haggai. He says, who is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Right. Rhetorical question, because in comparison, they would have been like, yeah, it doesn't look so great. Not so hot. They're Joshua, son of Josadak, Right. <laughs> not the best looking thing we've ever seen. And, and God even says, doesn't it seem to you like nothing? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing? Like you just kind of put this thing up and. You know, I, it's not much to be excited about. But God was excited You see, he recognizes their disappointment and his message is one of encouragement. In verse four, he says, be strong, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, remnant. Why? Because I, God, am with you. He takes it even a step farther to remember, uh, to remind them of the promise that he made for them as they are exiling from Egypt way back when. This is part of the covenant I made with you. This is part of the restoration plan. So don't look at this moment in your life where everything's not perfect, where everything's not pretty as a disappointment. Find joy in it. See the glory of the Lord in this time. So often things in our life aren't perfect. So often things in our life are not going the way that we want them to. And it's really easy to look at our temple and say, this isn't very pretty. I'm not enjoying this too much. I remember better days. And it's really easy in those times to grumble. And sometimes that's justified. It's really easy in those times to be disappointed. It's really easy in those times to let your attitude be affected. But in those times, we need to still see the glory of the Lord. In those times, we still need to appreciate everything it is that God has brought to us. And so he's encouraging the remnant here with these words. I know it doesn't seem like it used to be. But good things are coming. And right in front of you is a a good thing. My spirit, my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You see what God's reminding them is that it's not the temple, but what's inside the temple that matters. I think that this is both a literal statement and a metaphorical one. It's not necessarily what your temple looks like. It's what's inside the temple that counts and what's inside the temple is the presence of God. You see, God needs the temple. He needs the temple in order to be with his people. And in Solomon's time, they were flourishing and God had some really specific instructions to make it this giant ornate, beautiful building. But in this time in their exile, he's reminding them that what's most important isn't what their temple looks like but that he is with them. The temple provided that meeting place. It's not what it looks like. It's what it has to offer. And God's presence is what it has to offer. It's what it has to offer. You know, sometimes we focus too much on the temple. I know that there are days I come into our church, sometimes on Sunday morning, and I'm going to explain to you kind of how my mind works. And it's not perfect. At times it's simple, but I look around and there's paint that needs to be touched up. And there's, three-week-old donut icing on the floor, and the chairs are sometimes dirty, and I'm like, man, I need to vacuum those because they actually vacuum really well, just so you know. And, and, you know, just maybe the trash hasn't been taken out and the walls aren't perfectly clean, and I look around and and I just think, man, the chairs aren't perfectly straight, and I get distracted by all these things, and all these things pile up to keep me from seeing what it is that I need to see when I come into this building, which is the Lord. I don't come here because it's a perfectly looking place. I come here because within these walls is a perfectly wonderful, magnificent savior. And there is a God who is his father and a spirit that they have given to us as a gift that want to meet with us. And this is where for me, not the only place, but this is where usually for me, it's easiest to focus on that time. But sometimes we get so distracted by what's going on around us. And even though we walk into this building sometimes and it's not perfect, it pales in comparison to what takes place here. This building facilitates meetings with the Godhead. And it doesn't matter if we are in the most ornate church in the city, Or if we are sitting outside in a tent somewhere, as long as our focus, as long as our heart is on meeting with the Lord. Is that to say that we don't have to worry about those things? No. Am I giving us an out? No, I'm not. Because I think sometimes people would come into this building that have never been here before and they might be distracted by some of those things. They might think, man, this chair is dirty. Or I see this three week old icing on the floor and it may distract them like it distracts me. And so we have a responsibility to try to remove all distraction, right? And that's one of the ways that we can do that. But in the end, we cannot forget that the most important thing in this building is not the building itself, but it's the people and it's the presence of God. Buildings will crumble. They will be knocked down. They will be forgotten, but our God remains and he is here. I mean, in this building, he is here for you and he is with you and he seeks to empower you and he will never leave you. And that's what we should be expecting Every time we enter these four walls and that's what guests to our church should get to experience a faithful and loving and true God. When we seek our purpose rather than God's, all we end up experiencing is disappointment. You see, part of the remnant that was disappointed when they looked at the building were disappointed for themselves. They were disappointed because of how the temple looked and how they knew that a previous temple looked. They weren't focused in the right area. They weren't focused on the right thing. And if we focus on the wrong things in life, if we focus on our comfort, if we focus on how things look to others on the outside, If we focus on these things that sway from one day to the next, all we are going to find is disappointment. But what God has for us is often better than we could ever expect or even hope for. And that was the case here. We're going to go back and look at verses 6 through 8. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. What is God promising here? What is God promising here? The answer is Jesus. The answer is the Messiah. The answer is salvation, you see, the previous temple had the Ark of the Covenant. And you can go home, or you can do it now. You're not going to bother me, I guess. I'm still going to talk. You can Google image Solomon's temple, and it will bring up for you some pretty solid pictures of from Scripture what we think it looked like. And it's something else. It is something else. It is a building that could rival any modern-day creation. You can look at that temple and and look at the magnificent cedar that it was made out of and look at the silver and the gold placed all over the place. It had material significance. It had material significance, but the remnant here was promised greater glory. That house was filled with silver and gold. Guess what, says God, the silver and gold's all mine. But you know what? What? I'm going to fill this house with the glory of the Lord. I am going to bring you the Messiah, what the whole earth longs for. I am going to shake the earth to its core and bring you my son and my son will be in this building. And so Solomon's temple, Solomon's temple will never, ever be able to touch this building because this is where the glory of the Lord will rest. Where is the glory of the Lord resting in your life? And where are you resting? Is it the same place? Because if it's not, all you're going to find yourself experiencing is disappointment. But when we can match those two things together, we are given a gift greater than we could ever hope for. Yes, Solomon's temple had material significance, but the remnant was going to get something so much greater. God is going to shake the earth. He's going to shake the heavens to move mountains for the remnant. Understand that that promise is still good for you. God is ready to move mountains for you to experience his glory. But remember, it takes obedience to experience that empowerment. And if you are not walking the way that the Lord would have you to walk, you are going to miss out. Verse nine says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace declares the Lord almighty. You see, we can't focus so much on material wealth that we miss out on lasting riches. And it's really, really easy to do. It's really, really easy to look at the stuff we have over the substance of our life. Christ must take precedence. It's not about a moment's circumstances. I know I've maybe said this exact thing or something similar like that over these past few weeks as God is working through this message he has for our church but it's not about a moment's circumstances. It's about lasting outcomes. It's about facilitating opportunities for people to be in the presence of the Lord. And it's about people experiencing the peace that comes from the Lord. Here's the truth about peace peace isn't about a life free of conflict or pain, peace is found when The pieces of our life come together to create the beautiful masterpiece that God is trying to paint from our lives. I want you to really understand that. Peace is not freedom from pain. It's not freedom from suffering. It's not freedom from struggle. Peace is having everything work together for our good because of the glory of our Lord. It's when all those Crazy looking jigsaw puzzle pieces come together to show us the beautiful Thomas Kincaid landscape. Right? Peace, for one, is a messianic expectation. It's a messianic expectation. It's an expectation of the coming of the Savior that peace would be had. Now, we know this from our history and the Word, but. The Israelites, those who were expecting the Messiah, who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, thought that peace was going to be brought by the sword, which one day it will be. But Christ came to bring a different type of peace, the peace that we talk about today. Jesus, after all, is referred to as the Prince of Peace in Scripture. Christ didn't just come to save the world. He came to restore peace within it. And this time that we have between his first coming and his second coming is time for us to try to do the work to bring about peace. But if we allow ourselves to get distracted by non eternal important things, then we're not going to do the work that God has called us to do. Here is a truth. Where the glory of the Lord is, there is peace. And peace is freedom from worldly expectations or standards. Stop judging yourself by what the world says is success. And start judging yourself by how how well you are following God's will for your life. That is the only success that matters. That's it. I'm going to leave you with a verse that really speaks to me. It's John 14, 27. And some of you will know this verse by heart, but it says peace. I leave with you my peace. I give you, I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God, the father Christ the Son, want to gift you peace this morning. And when we place our hope in them, peace is what we find. But again, if we're focused so much on our earthly success and our earthly standards, we will surely, and I do mean surely, fail to find peace that is promised in Scripture. Will you join me today and not just today, but in the coming year and in the coming years to shift your focus from what the world says makes you successful to what it is that God says makes you successful. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this morning. Again, Lord, we thank you for your word. I I hope that today's message was significant to all of us, that we can take it. And use it to start shifting our focus. That, that, that we'll see the importance of aligning ourselves with your will for our lives. That if we really want peace, if we're truly seeking peace, we know where to find it. It's at the feet of Jesus. So often, God, we get distracted by the millions upon millions of things that we seem like. And feel that we have to do. And it's really easy to let this world outweigh our God. But that should never, ever be the case. God, convict our hearts of the things that we need to let go of. Of the things that we need to cast aside. So that we can make you the number one thing in our lives. And Lord, help us to to be people who are grateful and show gratitude, not just on the mountaintop, but in the valley. We are blessed every day we get to wake up. Sometimes that breath that's in our lungs may feel like our only blessing. But God, may we focus more on that than the turmoil and the pain that sin has brought to this world. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are here to facilitate meetings with the Godhead. I further pray that you give each and every one of us a spirit of evangelism, that you give us a spirit of, of invitation that we wouldn't meet people that we wouldn't let loved ones in our lives go another week without an invitation to church, without an invitation into these four walls. Because just like we need you, the world needs you. And what you say is success is what matters, and it is time that the world really starts to understand that. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Go ahead and stand with me now. We are going to end today in worship. But I also want to use this time right now as a time of prayer. You may need to come pray with me about something going on in your life. It would be my pleasure and my honor to pray with you. I truly mean that. But maybe you don't want to pray with me and I won't take offense. Come use our stage as an altar. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ by your boldness to come and show that, hey, maybe everything is not perfect. Maybe you just need to spend some time thanking God for the blessings in your life. Maybe so much of your time these past few months or weeks or years or however, whatever it's been, has been focused on what you don't have instead of what you do have. And maybe it's time to start reshifting that focus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to talk about what it looks like to experience salvation and what it looks like to commit your life to him, this is the time for that. This is the time for that. If you're somebody out there who thinks, man, I I would like to join this church, talk to me after service. Spend this time in prayer or in worship. In prayer or in worship. Let's go, man.